0: Good morning, and welcome to Redeemer OPC. We're so glad that, that you're here with us, and we hope that if you're visiting with us today that you feel warmly welcomed, and that if you're joining us online, we're, we're glad that you're here, and we hope that you uh, are blessed in your time with us. A couple announcements. To get us started. Uh, please be aware that the bulletin is, is chock full of them. I'm having to be pretty selective. I'm focusing on those announcements that relate to things that are happening this week. Uh, I would encourage you to, to, to go home and study this. Uh, maybe there'll be a pop quiz this, this evening uh, over what, what's going on in our church. A lot of exciting things, so be sure uh, to look at that. Um And be sure to check Redeemer Life uh, for December as well. Uh, Plenty of great information there. Uh, This morning we will be celebrating the Lord's Supper, and we are actually also taking a a special collection for the Mercy Fund. Be sure to designate that in the notes, uh, either on your check, uh, on the envelope that you use, or if you use the uh, app, Uh, be sure to note that in the notes line. Uh, Even though there is no Sunday school for adults or children today, following the morning service, there will be children and middle school choir and then adult choir following. So if you're a part of that, be sure to stick around after the morning service. Uh, This coming Thursday is the Women's uh, Ministry Cookie Exchange. You can find more information about that uh, there on the insert. Uh, There's an RSVP link. Uh, Be sure to check that out. Uh, and then this coming Saturday, we'll be having our food pantry here at the church. Last month, we had a number of families visit, and we were able to, to bless new families as well. And we pray uh, that, that we would continue to be able to do that. So be sure, uh, if you are able to provide some donations, we can still use some. Uh, bring them up to the church during office hours or contact uh, the hills if you would like to volunteer they need volunteers as well uh, from about nine thirty to 11 uh, so be sure to reach out to them for that as a final announcement um, and this is breaking from uh, this week I, I wanted to share a few things going on uh, with the youth and children's ministry it's been a little while since uh, i gave a report if you're visiting with us uh, i i I tend to work with the uh, children and the youth in the church, uh, and I wanted to highlight a few things going on. Uh, the first is with uh, the GEMS group, I believe. No? Boys Club? Boys Club. Uh, the Boys Club is continuing to meet. They're starting a new uh, section, and that is going to be led by Alec Delang and Caleb Nelson talking about flight uh, I would really love to uh, learn a little bit more. Uh, if you're a man and would like to help out there, be sure to reach out to Marty Heisinger. Uh He'd love to connect you uh, with uh, this ministry. Uh, next is the Gems. And uh, the girls have been uh, busy doing all sorts of crafts and uh, have been connecting with the women of the church. Uh, again, if you are a woman and would like to help out in that ministry, be sure to reach out to Jess Balut um they're they're continuing on and it sounds like they have many uh wonderful things planned and the girls are having a great time uh there with that uh next is the Sunday school ministry uh the Sunday school uh, has two more meetings here in 2022 uh we'll have some time off uh, around the holidays uh and then we'll get back into it uh, if you have an elementary student or uh younger uh they're going through this long story short I uh, hope this devotional has been a blessing to your family. I've, I've received uh, good feedback from from a number of you that, that you've enjoyed using this uh, with your families. And uh, if you did not receive a copy of that for some reason and your child is in uh, fifth grade or lower, uh, be sure to reach out to me. And I'd love to give you one of those devotionals for free. And then uh, the, the catechism with the middle school and high school group uh, that, that seems like that's been going pretty well as well. So, uh, there, there's an app. If, if you're having difficulty doing some memory work with your kids, uh, please reach out to me for that. And I can uh, hook you up with, uh, it's, it's not an incredible app, but it's, it's still pretty nice for practice. Then my last uh, ministry to touch on is the youth ministry. Uh, this summer, our group was able to meet, and that was something new for our group, at least uh, since I've been here, and, and it was a real blessing. Uh, our kids have continued to gather together. Uh, it's felt like they've been growing together and in depth with each other, but depth with Christ, we've been working through the Psalms and uh, talking about prayer. Uh, I think this has been a, a really beneficial time for our middle school and high school students. We're going to be getting ready. I'm, I'm working on some preparations for summer events, including Task an RYS convention, and a middle school retreat, a number of other things that are going to be coming up soon. Uh, if you'd like more information, be sure to reach out to me, and I, I'd love to tell you more. Those are all my announcements for this morning. Uh, let's take a moment now and prepare to worship our God. As our God draws us to Himself as He lifts us into His presence that we might worship Him, He invites us to worship and delight in Him through Psalm 63. There, David reflects, O God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you, my flesh faints for you, as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory. Because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. Let's stand and do that together now with the hymn, Joyful, Joyful, We Adore Thee. Let's go to our God and ask His blessing on the service. Lord of love, God of glory, truly you are the wellspring of the joy of living and the ocean depth of happy rest. You are always blessing and are always blessed. Lord, we ask that you let your light shine upon us now. Teach us how to love you and how to love each other. Lift us to the joy divine. Guide us by your Spirit into deeper worship and devotion to you, Lord. That your majesty and your grace would cause us to offer more and more of ourselves to you, Lord. May we be wholly yours, Lord. We ask this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Let's continue to praise our God with all hail the power of Jesus' name. seated. This morning our scripture reading comes from Matthew chapter 6, a a portion of scripture that we refer to as the Lord's Prayer. Uh, This is is where Jesus is teaching his disciples what the kingdom is like. Uh, Matthew 5 through 7 is, is the Sermon on the Mount and and in the middle of that, Jesus instructs his disciples how they might pray. He tells them first how not to pray. But then he's, he, he gives them a pattern, a, a blueprint for how they should pray. And we're going to pray that together uh, momentarily. But I want to note that this passage is also uh, going to lead us into a time of, of repentance. This is a prayer of confession And uh, this is so that we might recognize our sin, recognize the ways that we fall short, and and ask for the Lord's forgiveness. So let's together pray as Jesus taught his disciples to pray, saying, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us of our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let's go to our God now and and repent before him. Our Father, we do confess to you that even as we have prayed these words together, we recognize how short our lives and desires fall short of this kingdom prayer. Lord, we have not longed for your kingdom to come, for your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Rather, we have desired our own little kingdoms to be built And for it to be our will done in in heaven as we try to accomplish it on earth. Lord, forgive us. We have not sought You for our daily bread, but toiled as if everything that comes into our life must be earned by our effort. Lord, forgive us. We have not forgiven our debtors. We have given into temptation and, and done evil in our hearts words, and actions. Lord, forgive us. But Lord, we we do confess that Yours is the kingdom. Yours is the reign that we most deeply desire. Yours is the power. The power that we need to overcome our sin. Yours is the glory that we seek above all others. Lord, look not upon our sin but upon the perfect righteousness of Christ who clothes us with all that we need in this life and the life to come. It is He who most perfectly and fully prayed these words. Lord, may we look to Him, not to ourselves. Strengthen us by Your Spirit that we might be conformed more and more to the image of Your Son, that our desires and our lives would be would be molded into greater conformity to Your will, Lord. We ask these things in His name. Amen. Hear now these words of pardon and trust that if you have sought forgiveness in the wounds of Jesus and repented of your sin by faith, these words are for you from 1 John 1.9. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What good news we have in Jesus. Let's stand and sing to Him now. Come, thou long-expected Jesus.
1: Please join me in our prayer of thanksgiving. Come now long-expected Jesus, born to set thy people free. Lord, we are so thankful this morning that even though we daily sin against you and fall short, you do not leave us in our guilt and shame, but you came in flesh to redeem your people. You did not need to do this, and we have nothing to offer to you, so o- please open our hearts to truly see the mercy and grace that you have poured on us. Thank you for this time of year where we can once again reflect and celebrate the greatest gift this world has ever received. Thank you for this church where we're able to do this freely and worship you every week. Thank you for the meal we can share together in a few minutes and the reminder it is of the perfect life you lived for us and the death that you died in our place. We ask that you be with Pastor Lorup as he brings us your word. Help him to recall clearly what he has prepared and open our hearts to hear what you have to say to us through your servant. Be also with the offering we are about to receive. Help us to be cheerful givers as we return a portion of what you have blessed us with. All these things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.
2: Well, good morning. We have an opportunity now to uh, intercede for those in our church who have asked for prayer. And uh, we also pray through a cycle of different uh, items uh, that we um, desire to uh, lift up before the Lord, and uh, especially the uh, persecuted church. And uh, we have an opportunity to do that again. So if you would join me, please, as we go to our God in prayer. Father, we praise you for the opportunity to come before your throne of grace and to ask boldly for things that would bring you glory by answering these prayers. Lord, we come to you on behalf of our dear sister Karen DeBoer. We thank you for an answered prayer that even in uh, the meeting with the doctor that uh, they were able to have, that uh, he was able to answer all their questions. And uh, we are just grateful that... um, You are at work uh, in her life and her family. And uh, as they, uh, divorce concentrate on uh, the best timing uh, for Karen's uh, brain tumor surgery, uh, we just ask that you would give them wisdom, that they would just know uh, your presence and your care. Lord, we acknowledge how you use uh, trials in our lives, and uh, we pray for uh, healing for Karen from long COVID as well. Uh, But we are thankful, Lord, that through... Uh, the testing uh, that this tumor was discovered and they're able to uh, address it uh, in your timing and that even that that suffering is unrelated we know that it is very real and we know that you're at work in both of these areas uh, in her life and uh, just pray, pray that you give the whole family help uh, as we uh, trust you to lead them through this season we also pray thanking you for uh, Mary Bont's surgery going well and that pray for her continued improvements each day and that she would be able to uh, get the neck brace off in these uh, next few weeks and be able to uh, regain the strength that she needs to be fully active again. We also thank you that Mickey Kite is making good improvements and uh, help her uh, that she would just know your presence and your care uh, and your strengthening, uh, that you would just build her up each day. We also praise you for the uh, mercy and grace that Cassie and Everly and the Baker family have experienced in these last few weeks uh, after the car accident and her early birth. We praise you for the protection and continued help uh, that you've provided. We also pray for your help for Zach Francois and for all the MAF workers. Lord, give them courage. Give them strength. Uh, We pray that an uh, army of angels would surround them so that the gospel work uh, would go unhindered in Haiti. We also pray for my mom, Clarice Lorbe. We thank you for uh, the fact that she has an appointment this Wednesday with the U.M. surgeon. And uh, we pray, Lord, that you would um, give help uh, and answers to uh, the questions that we have and just that uh, if it be your will to have uh, surgery for her tumor and her spine uh, sooner than later, Lord, that you would provide that and just the best steps forward. We also thank you that Gail Stahl is making... um, progress and improvement, and just pray that she goes through these few weeks of this particular season of her life, that you would give her the strength and the, the healing that she needs, and that uh, you, by your grace, would help her to remain cancer-free. Lord, we pray for all the expectant parents. We pray for the Gablers and the Meyer-Dirks, uh, the Orrs and the Midemas and the Gronendikes. Lord, we celebrate with each one of them this wonderful gift of life, and would ask that you would protect and give help uh, to each of these little ones in the womb. Lord, be with Little Farms Chapel. We thank you for uh, Bob Van Manen. We thank you for uh, all the ways that you're at work in that particular church and for all those uh, that are a part of that church and what you are doing there. May your grace and mercy be attending uh, the ministry that they have for the building up of the saints um, in that area. We also pray for our U.S. House of Representatives, um, Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy. Uh, Lord, give him wisdom in trying to serve in a way that... Uh, would be helpful to the people of our country, that you would uh, give him the awareness that he does so under your authority, and that he is accountable to you for what he does, that he would also know the help uh, that is needed for uh, doing uh, his role in the House of Representatives. Father, we pray for uh, those that serve in our military as well, for Derek, uh, for Chris, for Eric, and for Zach, for David, for Ken, and for Robert, Lord, that you would Uh, keep them each safe in the role that they serve in, that you would help them to know uh, your power at work in them and through them and that uh, as you would use them in a very special way, um, we just thank you for all those that serve in our armed forces to uh, protect us, to uh, help us to maintain our freedoms and Lord, that we would use those freedoms before we lose them and that you would guide your people in, in wise ways that we can do that. We also pray for your persecuted church around the world, particularly uh, for the church in Ethiopia. We, uh, we thank you for uh, the Isaiah people for the uh, fact that they were able to rebuild uh, their church after a, an attack two years ago for how you have demonstrated your power and your provision through the global church coming alongside this little church and giving them what they need to rebuild. Uh, we thank you for your provision and we would just... Uh, pray that as you use them to declare your promises in that area, that they, they know that nothing is impossible with God, Lord, that uh, you would use that testimony, and that that would be the testimony of our hearts as well, as we learn that same lesson uh, this morning through your servant Mary, and that you would help us uh, to know your presence, that though we are weak and insignificant sinners, uh, that you can use us in very powerful ways, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you would turn with me in God's Word uh, to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1. Uh, last week, uh, Pastor Jeff uh, began our Advent series uh, in the Gospel of Luke as we uh, looked at the announcement uh, about uh, Jesus being conceived and born in the womb of the Virgin Mary and uh, learning uh, a little bit more about who, his, who He is, what His identity is as He was uh, revealing that uh, to Mary. Uh, the, uh, today, we're going to consider Mary's response uh, to what the angel Gabriel declared to her. And so I hope that we learn this morning that God can do the impossible, and so trust His will above your own. That we believe that God can do the impossible, so trust His will above your own. Now, when was the last time? Uh, We have heard this, well, every year we hear uh, these stories, and yet we trust that God will use uh, these in our particular life this morning. We're going to learn these truths through a conversation. Uh, We're going to learn, first of all, about asking God questions, next about understanding God's answers, and lastly, trusting God. God's will. So please follow along with me as I read uh, from Luke chapter 1 beginning, uh, actually we're going to get the whole context. I'm going to begin in verse 26 and then go through verse 38. This is the word of the living God. In the sixth month the angel Gabriel was sent from God to the city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David and the virgin's name was Mary. And the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our Rock and our Redeemer. Amen. When was the last time that God asked you to do something impossible? Maybe never. This announcement to Mary is very unique Right? Yes, God told Abraham that his wife would conceive in her old age. And Zachariah, uh, in this very same context, was told the same thing about his wife, Elizabeth. Those conceptions were miraculous, but still by natural means. Mary was engaged to Joseph, but not yet married, so they had not yet consummated their marriage. And so Mary, as a virgin, conceiving a child was literally impossible. But Mary trusted the Lord, and she put her faith in him, but her faith sought understanding. It was St. Augustine who said, "'Believe that you may understand.'" Now, Augustine did believe that the knowledge of God comes uh, before faith in him, but faith in God will always bring about a constant desire for us to grow in our deeper understanding. St. Anselm said, faith seeks understanding. And so we learn, first of all, about asking God questions. Mary asked the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin. Now Mary had a very reasonable question. And please understand that though you're not facing an impossible situation like she was, God welcomes us to ask him questions. But we should not question God. And so we're going to learn first of all about how to ask God questions, but how not to question God. So, first of all, asking God questions, asking Him questions, is an issue of understanding. It is not an issue of resistance. Now, Mary was not resisting God, right? She understood normal biology. She was just trying to understand how this impossible thing actually come about. Believers want to honor God. And so there's times that we want to understand, what is God asking me to do? What is he commanding of me? Or what is he promising that he himself is going to do for me? So we want to ask God questions. So for example, if a child was going to ask you a clarification question about doing a chore, and your child came to you and said, when you say vacuum the rug, do you also mean vacuum under the rug? And you would say, how dare you question me? Well, I hope not, right? The child is just seeking a clarification question. Is this what you mean when you say vacuum the rug? But perhaps there's another child with lots and lots of questions about the Bible, right? Before bed. And you want to answer them as many as you can. And realize, hmm, This might just be a tactic with an ulterior motive to just not go to sleep. And so, you answer as many questions as you can, not wanting to discourage the child, and then you say, kindly, we can discuss this in the morning, right now, it's time for sleep. Now, there's lots and lots of examples all throughout Scripture of people asking God questions, but there's also examples in Scripture of people questioning God. God, resisting him by way of excuse. And so we will consider one in our immediate context here, but we have to understand, first of all, what do we mean by questioning God, right? When we think of God commanding us to do something that we think is unreasonable, some of our questions come in a way of resistance, of an excuse of why I should not do what God is commanding me to do. So for example, the angel Gabriel made a reference uh, to God's miraculous life in the life of Zechariah and Elizabeth. And this is the first story in the Gospel of Luke, and during our Advent series, we have not uh, focused on that particular story, but I'd like to uh, f- uh, highlight that story by way of illustration, because we can learn from Zechariah that he did not ask God a question, but he questioned God. And so Mary possibly knew about Elizabeth's miraculous pregnancy in her old age, which uh, would remind her of Sarah's miraculous pregnancy a uh, long time before that. Uh, but Mary may also know about Zechariah's miraculous silence. Zechariah will serve for us by illustration as an example of what not to do And we'll get back to Mary in just a moment. So, looking at Luke chapter 1, look back at verse 13. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. Then down to verse 18. And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel, I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time." Now we don't we know that Zechariah was questioning God because the angel said literally you don't believe my words and so how shall I know this is not a sincere question since the angel just told him right you will know because I am God's messenger sent to you by God and direct revelation from God is good enough Zechariah To teach Zechariah and all of his family and friends the importance of believing God at his word, Zechariah could not speak until the time that John the Baptist, his son, was born. The Lord certainly taught Zechariah the value of words. Now, by way of application, if you were to examine your own heart and think about times when you ask God questions, right? You sincerely are seeking to know a deeper understanding of what God is asking you to do, right? Asking questions come because a lot of the things that God reveals to us are very weighty and difficult for our finite minds to understand. Many of our questions are theological, right? We say, how can God be three persons in one God? How can Jesus be 100% God and 100% man? Why is there evil at all? But lots of our questions, though theological, many of them are also very personal, right? How can God hear and answer prayers of everyone around the world? What is God's will for my life? Or we may ask him, why would you ever save someone like me? Our hearts long to know answers, and we ask questions, but other times our questions are doubtful, right? We are involved in questioning God. We are, by nature, double-minded, right? We assume that we are doing things to honor God, or at least not offend Him that much, right? And we cover over our natural motivations with pious sounding questions. God, what is your will for my life? Well, he just revealed to us the Ten Commandments, and he knows that we covet many things. And so he says, Don't covet. That's God's will for your life. Well, this was basically Jesus' answer to the rich young ruler in Mark chapter 10, who said, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments do not murder. Do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. And he said to him, teacher, all these I have kept from my youth. And Jesus looked at him and loved him and said to him, you lack one thing, go, sell all that you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. You see, Jesus calls us on our bluff every single time we resist his will. We can ask God questions, but we can never question that God's will is what's best for my life. Mary believed the Lord, but she wanted to understand how will this come about? How can I conceive though I am a virgin? How can the impossible actually occur in my life. The Lord is so gracious that when we ask questions, he is willing to give answers. And so we learn, secondly, not just about asking God questions, but secondly, understanding God's answers. Look again at verse 35. And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. You see, this will not be a work of man but a work of God alone. When we hear about the power of the Spirit overshadowing Mary, we may think about the Spirit hovering over the waters in the first day of creation. right? We may think about the Spirit hovering over Israel, overshadowing them with the Shekinah glory cloud as they wandered through the wilderness. This same God This same power that created the universe by the word of his mouth will create the human body in the womb of Mary, the the human body of Jesus in the womb of Mary. Now, this was far beyond the miracle of conceiving in old age. This had never happened before, and it would never happen again. I mean, we know the prophecy in Isaiah 7, the Lord uh, Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Now, whether Mary recalled Isaiah 7 in that moment, we don't know. But the angel makes the point. Therefore, the child to be born will be called holy, the Son of of God. He was not naturally Joseph's son, but God's son. How is, or as God has created this human body in the womb of Mary, he is holy because God is holy. He is God in human flesh. I mean, our minds cannot wrap our brains around how that could actually be, right? We have tons and tons of questions about how that could be a reality, especially Mary saying that the Son of God will be born of her womb. So to help Mary try to grasp these things, the angel reminded her in verse 36 and behold your relative elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son and this in the sixth month with her who was called barren for nothing will be impossible with god god did a miracle with sarah but she is not a mere legend mary The same miracle is happening in your own day with your own relative. Look at how God helps Mary try to grasp these things by providing this type of revelation in her life. God's grace and his patience toward her is overwhelming because he knows we are finite creatures that just want to understand what he is doing in our lives. But most of the time, we will not understand to the extent that we would like to, right? The more we understand, the more we feel in control. The less we understand, the more we worry and we fret. And so when we think about the way the Lord works, I just want you to imagine flying, an air, flying in an airplane, and you find out that the pilot and the co-pilot ate some bad fish, and so they're out of the game. No one on the plane knows what to do, and so they ask you to take the pilot's seat and to uh, listen to the air traffic control instruct you how to come and land that plane. And so not wanting to die, you say, okay, I'll do it. And you enter into the cockpit and you just see a wall of gauges and controls that you have no clue what to do with, but you know they're really, really important. And so the air traffic controller helps you to at least understand the controls that you need and what to do with them, and then, by God's grace, you land safely. The Lord sometimes puts us in very stressful circumstances so that we can learn to trust In him. He is always the controller of our lives. He talks us through various situations with just the information that we need, not necessarily everything we want to know. We get stressed because we want to be in more control than we really are. We want more information. We want to know why this is like this, and how this is like that, and why are you doing it like this, O Lord? Now, we often fool ourselves into thinking that we're more in control than we really are. And so again, by way of application, when you are in pursuit of understanding, is it for wisdom? Or when you are in pursuit of understanding, is it actually the idol of control that is driving you. Let's compare those two for a moment. Considering first wisdom, right? Our pursuit of understanding is wisdom when we are seeking the glory of God above self. Very clear is Proverbs chapter 2. Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if we seek understanding merely to maintain the facade of our own control, then that is idolatry. Proverbs 3 addresses this one, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths look at the humongous distinction between these two different types of understanding. Understanding provided by God's grace and understanding that is my own power, your own understanding. Understanding that's limited to what you think is what's best. And so the question we have to ask ourselves is, what is my heart's chief desire? Is it to do God's will or is it for him to do mine? And so, as we think about the Lord helping us, you know, showing us that we are by nature self centered creatures, we need His grace. We need His help to put off our self trust by learning, thirdly, to trust God's will. First, we ask God questions. Second, we understand God's answers. And lastly, trust God's will. Look at verse 38. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Now, if you've been in church for any time at all, and you've been at church during class, you've heard this text preached before. And how many times have you heard this text preached where it's all about how awesome Mary's faith is? I mean, we just stand back in awe of her faith what-would-Mary-do sermons. It's not the point of the text. That is not what God revealed to Luke to share with us this morning. That is not the focus. We are going to be the most encouraged if we understand what Mary is not rather than assuming God chose her because she's better. Mary was a nobody. We're not given any history about her in Scripture at all. She was a young, insignificant girl from a nowhere town called Nazareth. I mean, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Nathanael asked. God doesn't find greatness and give us jobs. He finds weakness and makes us great so that he gets all the glory. And so as we think about the Spirit at work in her life, it is only by the grace of God that she could be given the faith to say, I am the servant of the Lord. Now, this title was given to Moses many, many times. There's like 10 or 15 times in Scripture that the servant of the Lord is a title of, reference to Moses. It's given twice to Joshua and twice to David in Psalm 18 and Psalm 36. Mary was given the faith to understand that her life is not her own. We are told the very same thing as those who believe that we were purchased by the sacrifice of Christ. Paul said it in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Or do you not know That your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God. You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. By the faith that the Spirit gave to her, Mary realized it's not about her body. Her body is not her own. If the Lord wants her to house the conception and the development of the Son of God, then that is God's will for her life. And she famously responded, Let it be to me according to your word. This is the most faithful response any believer could ever give God to anything he ever asks us or commands us to do. Taking God at his word is the essence of the Christian faith. Eve didn't do it, right? If Eve would have taken God at his word, then she wouldn't have been tempted by the serpent. If Adam took God at his word, he would have protected his wife from the serpent, first of all, and he wouldn't have followed her into sin, second of all. All throughout scriptures, we see example after example of people questioning God What about Gideon right he's a famous example right how many people say I'm I'm searching after God's will I need to put out a fleece Do you know how arrogant it was for Gideon to expect the God of the universe to do parlor tricks before he would believe him at his word It is not an what to do it is not obedience it is not Wisdom is understanding enough to obey God. Faith is trusting God's will is greater than my will. Yes, Mary did that. But not because she's better. Only by the grace given to her could she ever say what she said or do what she did. So for us to celebrate Mary more than the grace of God given to her, it's kind of like the donkey, right, that Jesus rode into Jerusalem, and everybody is cheering and so excited, and the donkey's just saying, wow, (laughs) I didn't know, you know, they're just so excited about me. I mean, that's what it's like if we put all the focus on her. She is just a servant of the Lord. The focus is upon what God is doing in this insignificant sinner's life. I mean, we are by nature self-centered. We want the story to always be about me. And so by God's grace is the only way that we can recognize that he can even use weak and insignificant sinners like us, Because I hope you understand by way of application that the flip side of the coin also applies. For us to say, oh God, you can't use a weak and insignificant sinner like me. Oh, that is the epitome of pride, not humility. Anytime you put the words together, God can't. It should catch right in our throat. For the lie that it is. Nothing will be impossible with God. Now God is all about using what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. Now God may not ask you to be a vessel right? To, for him to conceive the Son of God in you. I mean, especially if you're male. I don't even want to think about that kind of a miracle. But there's times when we feel like God is calling me to do the impossible. I mean, that's how we perceive it, right? For example, we prayed the Lord's Prayer earlier. Jesus trained us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's the heart of faith. And yet, trusting God's will over my will is one of the most impossible things in my life. And yet, that's what I'm supposed to be praying. But then he taught us to pray, give us this day our daily bread. Are you content with just your daily bread? how the rich young ruler do with that? Sell all that you have. All that you need is your daily bread. How would you do if he gave you that same command? Sell all that you have and come follow me. None of us are satisfied with only our daily bread. One of the most impossible things is that we be content with what we already have and not continually seek more and more and more. But if you don't think that's a big deal, then we have to pray, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. I don't know what kind of bullying you've experienced. I don't know what kind of abuse you have gone through. I don't know what kind of injustices you have experienced in your life. But God telling us in this prayer for us to ask him to forgive us in the same way we forgive our tormentor feels impossible. And yet, that is God's will for you. We then pray, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. I don't know what addictions you have. Maybe it's to alcohol or sugar. Or maybe it's your phone or porn. Or maybe it's shopping or sports, whatever it might be. We all know that moment when your temptation is speaking to your heart, when it is demanding of you, follow me. Do you really believe that in that moment, God can enable you to run from temptation? It feels impossible. But by faith, all things are possible. The power to run from temptation can only come from the Lord Jesus Christ himself. When Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he was tempted, tempted to turn away from God's will what he was called to do. And so he was contemplating the full wrath of his father being poured out upon him, the wrath that his enemies deserved, he was about to take upon himself. Yes, we are naturally his enemies because we have rebelled against his authority and in thanks for all of his love, grace, and his humility, we put him on the cross. Yes, we are his enemies by nature. And so he cried out to his father in Luke 22, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup of wrath from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Mary was given a Christ like faith by grace alone, so that all things might be to the glory of God alone. But think about how Jesus felt in that moment. I mean, wasn't he there when this plan was made? I mean, couldn't he have established way back in eternity that he could have just said no? Well, he wasn't forced. He chose this path. What if God, desiring to show his wrath and to make his power known, has endured with much patience vessels of wrath prepared for destruction in order to... Make known the riches of his glory for vessels of mercy which he has prepared beforehand for glory. Mary did not deserve to have God choose her for this role. You don't deserve any of the roles that you serve in as parents or child or friend or spouse or teacher or pastor or counselor. But God will give you the grace to do what you feel is impossible because it is God's will for you. He'll give you the faith of Christ that he has revealed to be his will for you so that you can become the servant of the Lord in every one of those Sermon series on its own. How can you be the servant of the Lord in all these roles in your life? He'll give you just enough understanding to obey Him so that you can respond, Your will be done. And therefore, He will get all the glory. Amen. Most gracious Heavenly Father, as we acknowledge. What you are doing in our lives is so far beyond our full comprehension. Thank you for showing us something. Thank you for giving us revelation so that we can try to relate as much as we can to Mary, who was in an incredibly unique circumstance that no one before her had experienced, no one after her has ever experienced. And yet, by your infinite grace, Lord, she trusted you and how difficult we have in the most mundane tasks to trust you. Lord, we need your grace. We depend upon it through our Lord Jesus Christ who is the only one who can give it to us by the power of your Spirit. And we pray that as we come to your table that we might celebrate that grace because it is real. It is as real as the bread and the cup. It is as real as your presence with us And that grace is at work to make us like Jesus. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let us respond as we declare hallelujah to our Savior. Seated. Well, we come now to the table of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus uh, instituted this supper on the night he was betrayed. And he has passed down this supper to the hands of his apostles who passed it down to faithful elders and ministers all throughout the ages and from their hands to mine, to your elders and to yours. Hear the words of institution from Matthew 26. Now, as they were eating, Jesus took bread, and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you. In my Father's kingdom. In this communion text, we have an unexpected Savior in an unexpected place. Before serving communion, Jesus took the place of the lowest servant because no one else was willing to volunteer, and he washed his disciples' feet. He demonstrated what it means to be the servant of the Lord. His service of humiliation continued after he was arrested, flogged, mocked, crucified as a common criminal, mocked again, and died. We did not meditate on all the different elements of his humiliation, perhaps frequently enough, but he experienced them because he became man. He chose to do this for your sin and for mine. So when we take the bread in our hands, consider the fact that this broken bread should be your broken and suffering body because of the crimes that you have committed against an almighty God. And recognize it's not your body. It's the body of the Lord Jesus Christ in your place. And then when you take the cup, consider the fact it should be your blood that is poured out unto death. And yet it is not. It is the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ as our substitute so that we can rejoice in the grace that is ours because he rose again from the dead and is living and is the host of this meal in his house. And we are just his servants trying to bring it to you. And so by the power of his spirit, he has made this a family meal for those who have turned from their sins and have placed all of their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. If that is not a commitment that you have made, then I would encourage you to uh, heed the warning that's in Scripture to not partake of this meal, lest you eat and drink judgment on yourself until the time that you can come to a deeper understanding of what this means by faith, and then we can rejoice together with you in that faith, which would also include any of the children in the church who have not made a credible profession of faith uh, before the session, and become communicant members. But if you are a baptized and professing communicant member in a church that professes the free grace uh, of our Lord Jesus Christ, then you are welcome to come to this table. This table is for sinners. Sinners who have sought grace and a Savior who has come. And that is what we celebrate today. So let us take this. Ask the Lord to set apart these elements for his holy use. Lord Jesus, we praise you for welcoming us to your table. We are amazed that you would lay down your life for sinners like us. We ask you to set apart these common elements so that by faith we may feast and be nourished by the fullness of your perfect love as we hold it in our hands, praising you in Jesus' name. Amen. Lord Jesus that took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Christ was broken in your place. Partake with thanks. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this is the cup of the new covenant given in my blood. Do this whenever you drink of it in remembrance of me. patience to those who may know better or may not, but help us to be representatives of you only by the grace that your Spirit has given to us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would, please stand for the benediction. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace now and forever.